Gotcha. Yeah, when I arrived as a missionary in Kenya, and I had this kid that uh, was—I got it—was uh, uh, had a hemoglobin two and a half. And I thought, what's wrong with this kid? He was about three years old, sitting in his mother's lap, pale, and uh, you know he's had malaria, no history of fever, you know got a got a uh, CBC, microcytic, hypochromic anemia. He's bleeding somewhere, you know, any GI bleed. Well, he spits a little blood sometimes in his saliva, but that's about it. And you know, got all. That. And finally, I just figure out was going on with this kid. I did this big workup. Finally, I called my mentor, and he kind of chuckled, went and got a tongue blade and uh, some uh, sprayable anesthetic, sprayed the back of his throat, and looked here and picked up his soft palate, and there was a leech hanging in the back of his throat. They didn't cover that in my medical school. I don't, I don't know. Uh, they, 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 they have these little, you know, claw-like things. Uh, they come out and they dig into the tissue and then they secrete an agroagulant. And this kid was just slowly oozing to death. Uh, you learn a lot of new medicine, which is, which is a lot of fun. Deepen your walk with Christ because you're dependent on him in a new way. I remember when I was taking teams into Somalia doing emergency medical relief. And the first night I arrived, I was on the roof at some relief group, secular relief group had just arrived. The only place they had for me to sleep was on the roof under a mosquito net on a cot, and you could hear the planes coming over as they were landing, you hear grenades going off, you could hear gunfire throughout the night in Mogadishu. I got a lot closer to the Lord that night. I mean, we were talking very personally. Um, because you, you, you're just dependent on him in a new way. You know what I miss most about not being on the mission field all the time overseas is I don't have to exercise my faith nearly as hard here. See, when we go home tomorrow, if, uh, if the car breaks down, I'll just pull out my iPhone and call AAA and they'll come take care of me. If that happened in Kenya out in the bush, I pray to God somebody comes by in the next two days. It's just a different way you live. It, uh, you're on call on short-term missions. You should be. Giving God an opportunity to speak to you and say, God, do you want me to be more involved in these needs? Do you want to bring me back here full-time or uh, multiple short-term trips? Why serve overseas for others? It's a great help. You're, uh, you have expertise and services that many people don't have. Uh, if you go work in a mission hospital, you may have a specialty to help in teaching or training or providing services, or you go on a short-term team, uh, services other people don't have. Whatever kind of skills God has given you, he can use. Uh, relief for long-term personnel. I know we had people come, as I mentioned, for a month or longer. One of the reasons the Tinwick Hospital developed so much during the 80s was because the, the career missionaries who were there had a little bit more time to solve the long-term problems, start the nursing school, expand the hospital, increase services, build a hydroelectric plant. We couldn't have done a lot of those things if there hadn't been people coming alongside to bear uh, the medical load. Or, or for sometimes it was so we could get away on vacation and keep our sanity and get a time of renewal. Uh, great example to others. I remember when I headed to the mission field as a career missionary, my, my dad said to me as we were leaving, he said, Dave, you probably don't know this, but you'll have as much impact in the United States as you'll have in Africa. But I'm going as a missionary to Africa. He says, yes, but people are watching you. And as you shoot, do short-term missions, you'll come back with stories and pictures, and you'll be bubbling over, and you will touch people's lives as you share about what God has done in yours. It will have new pathways 
In fact, the great faith flag, if you're a physician or a dentist in your office or a nurse at your desk in a practice, is put your mission pictures up. People start asking about them, and it's a great opportunity to share what God has done. A wonderful way to mentor and train. Um, you know, if you're a college student or a nursing student or medical student or dental student, uh, you know, what I'm looking for during those years is someone who can mentor me, not just teach me the science of medicine, uh, but to teach me uh, the, the, the skills of medicine and teaching and dealing with people, dealing with spiritual issues, the art of what medicine really is. And it's a great way to do that. One of our docs that came to Tinwick very often was a godly surgeon from Pennsylvania, died just a couple years ago or not long ago, Jim Teeter. And Jim Teeter came every year and he brought students and residents with him for a month because it was an opportunity to mentor them and make a big difference. It's a great way to introduce people to Christ. Uh, you may be a very reluctant witness in your culture, and you get overseas and have the opportunity to speak, and all of a sudden you find a new boldness. Uh, I took one of our board members. We actually had our CMDA board meeting in Nicaragua, in Managua, in January. It wasn't for we're going to go to a nice place. We went there because the week afterwards we all stayed over and worked in a human trafficking site. The House of Hope, and we were taking care of girls as young as eight, six, eight years old had been forced into prostitution. And one of the things we gave our, our team members was the Evangel Cube. You may have seen it here. And one of my surgeons at our board meeting uh, just last month uh, said, that changed my life. And he'd been a missionary in Africa for a good number of years. He said, after I learned that Evangel Cube, it was just such an easy way. He says, now I have it on my desk in my office. I use it here in the U.S. I've taken it to Africa. You know, he had learned a new way to share his faith and, and make a big difference. One of the things that I used to do when I was in Kenya, our head chaplain was a wonderful soul winner, David Killell. And so when doctors came to help out, I'd always ask them to speak in chapel. And they'd say, well, I don't know what to say. I said, just share your testimony, how you came here, what God's done in your life. Just make it simple. Dave will translate for you. And David, they would finish. David would give an altar call, and there would be people all across the altar. See, what they didn't know was that David always added just the right amount of stuff to the message to really have a great impact. <laughs> but they went home talking about what they had done in spiritual ministry. David always made their sermon better. So, uh, you know, but they came back thrilled saying, yes, I can do that. With who? That's that's us. I didn't have a nice afro back then. Isn't that a great afro? Uh, that's when we went, um, or actually after our first deputation. Uh, with who? You want to go with somebody that's experienced uh, organizationally. And short, there's a lot of people doing short-term missions. The question is, do they know what they're doing? Uh, there was a group a number of years ago, a guy that I know of that took a group to China didn't follow the right procedures, took medicines in that were out of date and all sorts of things. It ended up with officials in China confiscating all their medicines and burning them in the town square in front of the whole town. What kind of witness was that? And uh, so going with someone who's experienced uh, a group that has financial integrity, that belongs to the Evangelical Council of Financial Accountability, and uh, has official tax deduction status and all that type of thing is important. A cultural understanding. Um, you can really mess things up overseas real quick if the people that are leading you and you're, not, you're going there for the first time don't understand the culture and what should be done, what should not be done, and get you into a lot of problems. If you came to work with me when I was in Kenya, we would have given you some cultural orientation and some of it you would never have thought of. In Africa, you'd never go, come over here. 
This means you're a prostitute and you're soliciting a customer. You'd never go, A-OK. That's an obscene sign. Just things you'd never think of. When you want something at the hospital, you go like this. If you want somebody to come to you. And if you want to point, you do it with your lips. It's really good when you've got your gloves on and stuff. Bring me that and that. I still find myself doing it, to be honest with you. Uh, you get that habit. But just these cultural things and a cultural understanding of what is proper. In some country, you go to Nigeria, and they'll get right in your face and yell at you, and they're still best of friends when they walk away. In Kenya, you speak in a loud voice to someone. It is extremely rude, and you can break your relationship with them permanently. So, you know, just have that cultural understanding is so important. Significant work. There's a lot of guerrilla medicine. It's easy to do. Let's go down to the barrio. Let's go to the dump. Let's see patients pass out pills, stand up and preach, and go home. I call that guerrilla medicine uh, because you need an on-the-ground preparation. You need follow-up. You need referral. You need to have licensure in the country. Uh, in many countries, you need to go where you're going to make a difference. The last thing you want to do is spend money, take time away from what you're doing, whether it's school or practice, and go somewhere uh, where your skills are not going to be used. You're going to need somebody that's detail-oriented. The devil is in the details when it comes to short-term missions, and it's government relations and licensure and clean water and where are you going to get your meds and are they right ones and are they going to be able to be continued in the country. You know, you start somebody on blood pressure medicine, it's not even available in the country because you packed some stuff up from your office and took it with you, and it's the latest, greatest samples you had, and then what do they do when they run out of that medicine? So having that type of detail and knowing what should be done appropriately is very important. Where you can utilize your skill, you'll do more than you normally do, but you want to make sure your skills are utilized well. Uh, fits your limitations. It may be climate. You may have some disabilities. You may have altitude problems. You may all sorts of things. You want to make sure. I remember I took a team to Zambia for the first time. We were working with the prison fellowship, and what I didn't realize was it was so hot, and we were going to be working in the courtyards of the prisons. And it, it, was, it was very difficult. Next time we took a team, we were there during the cooler part of the year uh, when it was easier to work outside in the sun. The right service format. You may want to go with a group. There's some advantages. Uh, you've got good leadership with you. It tends to be non-institutional. It's self-contained, uh, lower-cost airfare because you're going with a group. Uh, it tends to be shorter, a week or two weeks. Uh, you know, those are great formats. That's what our global health outreach teams do. Uh, disadvantage, you're on a group schedule. Uh, you're less contact with missionaries. Uh, you may be in rougher living conditions because you're making do in a school or whatever and sleeping arrangements. It's a, it's a burden to your local host, a uh, team, and may not use your high-tech skills as well. Or you may go uh, alone uh, with your family or whatever to a mission hospital. World Medical Missions does that. You set your own schedule. You build relationships. You're there longer. You have a great family experience taking your kids. Uh, you know, you have opportunities for teaching and training. There's advantages and disadvantages. Uh, to, you know, that tends to be more expensive, and you don't have leadership. And, you know, so you've got to balance the two and see what God wants you to do. When to go. Plan far enough in advance. Um, start, you know, for students. I tell you, if you're a student going to med school, dental school, nursing school, a year or two in advance the, to get the type of rotations and experiences that you want. 
no climate differences. If you're going with a team, you may only need six months in advance, so it depends on what you're doing. Know the climate differences, med students, uh, you know, the popular time versus the time when you're really needed. Uh, when I was at Tinwick, all the medical students wanted to come January, February, and March. Why? Because it was fourth-year students, and they had done their interviews, and now they're waiting for the match. So everybody wanted to come January, February, March. I'd love to have somebody come November, December, because nobody wanted to come then. And they got to experience Christmas overseas and, and what it was like in another culture. So look at the popular times versus the times when you're really needed, uh, when there's the greatest need. Where to go? Well, part of it's going to have to do with time. How much time do you have? If you've got a week, you're going to head north-south, because it takes too long to go to Africa or Asia and turn around and come back. You go on a a global health outreach trip to Nicaragua in eight days. You're there, have great ministry, and you're back because you're same time zones pretty much and heading straight north-south. tends to be a little cheaper. Cost, you want to take your whole family, you may decide to do a week trip where it's cheaper heading north-south than trying to get everybody to Africa where airfares are more expensive. So the cost factors. Language issues. Wow, if you speak French and you're a medical student, I know some hospitals would love to have you in West Africa, and they don't get many students, and you'll get a great experience. Uh, you speak Spanish, that, that may direct you to where you're going to be heading. What's your interest? Um, you know, you may, God may have laid a certain part of the world on your heart. Maybe you know some missionaries. Uh, you know, visit someone you know, I, uh, you, you support. There's something special about people you've prayed for and given to, and now you get to go see what they're doing. I remember one of my physician friends came three or four times to Tinwick, and what a wonderful time we had because he was just involved in our ministry every day, but he got to come a couple times and be part of it with us. Security issues. You know, often the greatest needs are where there's the least security. Uh, you may want to start out, in fact, I encourage uh, people, start out with the trips that, you know, are easy and, and there may not be security, but don't stick with those. Uh, get a little more bold each time. Uh, there's not a lot of folks going short-term to Afghanistan. Did you know that? But they need women, doctors, and nurses in Afghanistan as short-term missions. That may not be, you may not be bold enough to do that your first trip, but as your faith grows and you get more experience, uh, you need to realize that God often does his best work in the most difficult situations. Uh, special needs. Uh, you may have special needs that will depend on where you can go. I remember a lady that came to Kenya to help us that was in a uh, – for failed to mention that she was coming for a month to work with us as a physician. She was in a wheelchair. It's kind of important to let them know before you go. And um, – you know, there was a lot of places she could have served very well, but our hospital wasn't one of them. I and mean, it's all steep and up and down hills and rough roads. It was very difficult in dealing with her. So personal limitations uh, may uh, dictate where you go. What do you need? Of course, you're going to need your passport. That's gotten longer to get and more expensive. Uh, you're going to need your tickets, and an agency may help you do that. There are certain agencies that are very good in dealing with mission trips and different uh, if you're going as an individual or with a group, they'll, they'll know the groups that are good with that. One of the problems people can have is think that their cruise company can get them to Mozambique. Uh, most cruise-focused travel agencies have no idea how to get you to Mozambique. And uh, you need to work with somebody, especially if you're doing it on your own, who understands what third world airlines are good, which ones aren't, uh, travel systems in, in countries that aren't traveled to that much. So... Uh, that, that can be important. You may want to get rack up a bunch of miles for your trip, and you can do that going to Mozambique. 
So uh, you want to get on an airline that uh, make that possible. Uh, make sure you get your visa in plenty of time. Some places require letters of invitation, so it takes much longer than you think. It's not like going to more developed countries, and uh, oftentimes you need to go in as a tourist. Uh, you're not going in as a business. Always carry extra pictures. One of the things that can happen is you get your passport stolen, and sometimes it's hard to get the pictures you need to get it replaced. So stick those somewhere else with you. If I don't recommend that you drive overseas, but if you do, uh, you need to get a uh, international driver's license. What's the most dangerous thing you can do in a foreign country? Get in a vehicle. People worry about animals. They worry about dread diseases. And your greatest chance of dying overseas is in a car accident. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, make sure to get the immunizations that you need. Uh, very important. I wouldn't head to Haiti right now without a cholera vaccination. Uh, medical personnel tend to think they get out of a sickness-free card when they go into medical training. And uh, oftentimes what they recommend for other people, they do not do. And uh, I encourage you to follow the letter of the law, not the spirit of law when it comes to immunizations. You'll need more than typical people. Let uh, your doctor, whoever you're dealing with, immunization clinic, know that you're going to be working in a medical situation because the immunization profile is going to change compared to the typical tourist. And uh, also check with people on the ground to see what's, uh, what's happening at the hospital or wherever the site is you're working uh, so you're prepared. Um, some places require licensure. Uh, a few places do not. Our policy in CMDA is we have licensure if it's available, uh, so our people are certified in the country and uh, try to be very strict about that. If you run into problems, you'll be glad that you went to the difficulty of getting licensure. Uh, cash. Used to, we told everybody to carry travel checks on short-term missions. Now, you usually get a worse exchange rate, and some places won't take them any longer, and so often it's, it's cash in smaller denominations. Some countries will not even accept $100 bills anymore because they're so often counterfeited. Uh, have a money belt. Stick your money in different areas. Uh, don't carry it all in one place. And we'll talk about some of the security stuff in country with dealing with money. Um, credit cards, uh, pretty well accepted all over the world, and, but you want to empty your wallet of all but one or two. Don't take all your credit cards over there. Your Belks card's not going to do you very well, ladies, in Mozambique. Um, and so you need to carry Visa, MasterCard, those type of things that are easily acceptable. One little trick, and I'm throwing in some tricks here, is if you're in stores overseas and use a credit card, ask for the carbon. Because what happens is, is people will go through the trash cans, pull out the carbons from credit cards and get the numbers off of them, and then use them to steal your credit card number. You wouldn't think of that here, but it's a problem overseas. Um, Financial, how much should you carry? And you need to ask for guidance from the group you're working with. But uh, carry some cash. It's uh, important. You can't carry more than $10,000 out of the country. I can tell you a story about that because I almost got arrested in New York uh, Kennedy Airport. We were working in Somalia. We had to work in cash, and things were very expensive. So I was going out of the country with $20,000 in a money belt. And, uh, you know, it already had in the ticket, and I'm walking down the ramp, uh, you know, the uh, corridor ramp into the airplane, and all of a sudden this big burly guy walked over and said, excuse me, could you step right over here? And I stepped over about to the far, and he says, uh, are you uh, carrying a bunch of money? I'm from the U.S. Treasury Department. I said, yes. How would you know? <laughs> 
don't know if they had a scanner or what, but he had picked this up. He said, I need to see your money. So here is everybody's getting on the airplane. I'm pulling $20,000 out from under my shirt and stacking it on the table. I didn't sleep that whole night on the airplane. And uh, I thought you had to declare more than 10000 bringing it in. You had to declare it going out. So I don't think you'll be carrying that much money, but uh, be aware of that. Exchanging money, uh, often uh, if you do it in multiple places, it can be higher costs. Uh, if you change your money before you get on the airplane here, you're in the Miami airport, New York airport, go ahead and get your Kenya shillings. Well, usually you get a, a, a less rate than you do over there. Uh, check the commission charges and rates. Oftentimes they'll say, oh, no commission, and then you find the rates very low. So some of that comparison thing can really help you. Avoid the black market. You'll go into some countries where they don't allow free exchange, and people will say, oh, come over here, and I'll give you a better rate for your money. Somebody meets you on the street. Usually you'll end up in an alley with your head banged in as they get your money. Um, check with the missionaries, your host, your leadership, uh, which will help you uh, knowing the best place. And, and then avoid sequential exchanges. What do I mean by that? You go from here, you go to England, you exchange your money into pounds, you take your pounds and you exchange them into shillings, you take your shillings, you exchange, you know, and before long you're getting hitting with exchange rates sequentially, which really decreases the value of your money. Health. Uh, you know, reasonable health can go and disabilities. Uh, check with your local doc. Make sure you know the situation. You may be working at, you know, if you come to our hospital, you're working at 6,000 feet. We were higher than Denver. And you wouldn't think of that in Kenya. And if you had uh, asthma problems or COPD or heart disease, it could be a problem. So check on the ground to make sure. Uh, get good health insurance. And there's groups that supply that for short-term mission teams. If you go with our global health outreach, it's required for all participants. Because your health insurance uh, over here in the U.S. usually does not cover you over there. Secondly, you need evacuation insurance. Thirdly, you need insurance in case you die. We, a number of years ago, we had a doctor go on a GHO team from New Jersey, a lady in her 30s. Uh, and she went to West Africa. Second day when she was there, she had a little nagging cough. Uh, a couple of the doctors had seen her, and she just wasn't feeling good, but seemed to be fair. And that morning got on the bus and stood up to go in and eat breakfast at a restaurant. They stopped off and dropped over and died with a pulmonary embolus that she'd probably gotten on the plane. Take an aspirin when you get on the plane when you head overseas. And uh, the time we got her back, it was $75,000 to get her body back and all the other things you had to go through. So that's what that type of insurance covers. It's very cheap, uh, 2 or $3 a day, and, uh, and a lot of them even have evacuation insurance to carry you back on an airplane or whatever if something bad happens. Uh, prophylaxis, there's a lot of things you need to think about. CDC has a good hotline, and they'll update you on the latest recommendations for the country that you're going to. You can go on the web or you can give them a call. Uh, some countries, the only vaccination that's required anywhere in the world is yellow fever, uh, except in, you know, um, situations where there may be a, a medical emergency or epidemic or something. Uh, but there's a lot of other things you should think about, and some you may not traditionally think about, like a polio booster and some of those things. So I'm going to go through all the immunizations. You can get great information on that from other places. Uh, usually it's not recommended as cholera unless you're going to Haiti, meningococcal, uh, rabies, some of those things. You just have to look at the local situation. Schistosomiasis, how many of you think about that? Yeah. 
Schistosomiasis, if you've been in a country, you know where it is. You need to be asking about schistosomiasis. It's, it's a parasite that's in fresh water, and you can get it from just getting in the river, the creek, or whatever, and it's a bad disease. If you're exposed, you towel off immediately, rub with alcohol, uh, ocean and swimming pools, chlorinated, it's all right. But there's unusual things. I say that. There's unusual things you don't normally think of in some of these countries. A medical kit you should carry with you because there's not going to be a local drugstore and, and travel especially. Uh, you know, decongestants, antihistamines, Band-Aids, Tylenol, Motrin, uh, antiseptic ointment, antifungal ointment, um, you know, different types of things. If you're prone to some sort of a disease, uh, you know, you need to make sure that uh, you've got medicine to treat it. Make sure to take plenty of birth control pills. Ladies, if you're on birth control pills, your brand's probably not available. You should carry twice as much as you need and put it in two different places. Or unless you just want to have a child, and then just forget about it. But uh, put it in your suitcase and carry it with you because you, you could lose it, have it stolen or whatever out of one thing, and you need to, uh, that's really true for any prescription medicine. Um, most people want to carry sleeping pills or other things to help them adjust to the jet lag, and, um, you know, it'll help with time change and strains, beds, and noise. I always carry a, a, a mask to wear on the plane, but also sometimes wear it in other countries. You go to Russia in the summertime, it's daylight most of the day and night. Uh, also carry earplugs. There's strange noises. There's, you know, roosters crowing at 4 a.m. in the morning. And uh, so those type of things, little things that you'll be very thankful that will help you uh, be care be uh, uh, have a better experience. Always carry something for diarrheal diseases and uh, antibiotics and some sort of anti-peristolic. Uh, you know, they'll tell you after you've had two days of diarrhea, then you should start taking something. That's what they, these people have never traveled overseas on a plane. Uh, you know, my routine is at the first symptoms, I pop an antipodic pill and antiperistolic unless it's, you know, unless you have bloody diarrhea or something like that. Um, yeah, you don't take it if you have a fever or mucus in your stools or blood or whatever. But you are busy, you're working, you don't have time to be laid up for a couple days. And often just one antibiotic tablet and something antiperistolic will take care of the problems. Take your, re your regular medicines. Uh, if you're on insulin, make sure to check with your doctor. It's very difficult with the time changes. You're going to need some help in working that out. Uh, so be careful there. Other precautions. Vehicles we've talked about. Um, what are some of the strategies? Travel in mission vehicles, uh, wear seat belts right in the back seat. Um, I remember we had our team in Zambia years ago, and we had this bus driver that I don't know, he probably bought his license. And he got on a hill and just let the clutch out and get up to, you know, 120 kilometers an hour with our team swinging in the back down the road. And I'm thinking if a goat comes out of the bush, we're dead. And, uh, you know, I did, I, after he did that once or twice, I just walked up the front and said, now listen. I don't want you driving that fast or we're going to get another driver. And there's times when you have to be politely firm and say, no, we're just not going to put up with this. This is how they normally drive, but it puts people, uh, you in particular, at risk. Food and water, boiled or boiled water, uh, you know, carbonated drinks from a container. Make sure the area touching your mouth has been wiped clean even with a, a carbonated drink. Ice is unclean. You don't know how that water's been made, and you get sick from that. Don't brush your teeth with tap water. little strategy is you always grab the toothpaste in one hand and the brush in the other. Why? Because if you have something in both hands, you can't grab the tap. 
Because what normally happens, you take your toothbrush and without thinking, oh my goodness, I just, you know. And it, depending on where you are, it doesn't take a lot of tap water to get you sick. Um, mostly overseas water, if you're buying bottled water. If you get bottled water, make sure that it's sealed. Nice little trick they use in many countries is to go get the bottles out of the trash can, put tap water in and put the cap back on and sell them to you. So make sure that they are uh, sealed. Uh, boiling is the best medicine or best method for purifying water. You can also carry tablets, another thing. If you're at a high altitude, you have to boil longer. Uh, iodine really works the best, or you can get a filter that can help you at sporting goods stores and that type of stuff. If it's cloudy water, you should use twice the dose of iodine. You should boil longer and all the rest of it. So a lot of things to help you with food and water. I often will carry a little filter for emergencies. I went down in an airplane in Zambia in the bush, and fortunately I had put in a little cup filter because we were stuck out in the middle of nowhere with water from this contaminated well, the only thing we had to drink. But I had this thing, and we were just pouring water in the top, getting it out of the bottom and, and something to drink. So if you're going real bush, it's good to carry something that can decaminate the water. Uh, bindi moete. That's the African word for my stomach is going. So you know what that means. And um, we've talked a little bit about that. But prevent it the best you can with prevention is better than cure. Um, food, if it's cooked, make sure it's hot and fully cooked. Fruit's okay. If you peel it, somebody else peeled it, it's contaminated. Uh, don't eat fresh salads, uncooked vegetables unless you peel or wash them. Wash them, raw meat, shellfish, a lot of things get you in trouble. Um, one thing that's good to stick in is just a little bottle of uh, Clorox that you can make a hypochlorite solution out of and uh, have something to sterilize things where you are if you're concerned about whether they're dirty or not. Um, we've talked about diarrhea. Let's go to high altitude. We used to, we lived, I told you, at uh, 5,800 feet, 6,800 feet. And so what we had is everybody got the flu the second day after they came. Why? It was altitude sickness. And uh, some things can help you with that. Uh, going up slowly helps prevent it. Uh, don't get up to high altitude all in one day. Uh, it's common. You can prevent it if you're going very high with Dimox and other medications. And um, if you get really sick and severe headaches and troubles with vision, that type of stuff, you've got to get to a lower altitude. You may say, hey, that's esoteric. You go to Ecuador on a mission trip. You go to Peru on a mission trip. You'll deal with these issues, and uh, it can be very devastating if you're not thinking about it and prepared. Uh, sometimes altitude sickness isn't what you normally think. It may be GI symptoms. It may be flu symptoms, and you'll attribute it to something else. Something you often don't think about is sun, and it's often intense at higher altitudes. I had uh, four or five skin cancers frozen off my arm just last week. Why? Because at Tenwick, uh, the patients, if they could, were sit outside during the day. So I'd make rounds outside in the tropical sun for six, eight hours a day. Always had a great tan, seldom wore sunscreen. Back in those days, you couldn't get it in Kenya. And so now I'm paying the price with actinic keratosis and squamous cells on my arm. And so uh, think about that uh, also for the heat issue and hotter time climates. Stingers and biters, um, those are something you don't often think about, but you need to ask about them because it could be things you never think of. Uh, we had uh, soldier ants where we were. We always had to warn people about the soldier ants. They're mean little boogers because what they do is they crawl up under your dress or your pants, and you don't feel them. 
Then they send out a pheromone signal, and all of them bite you at the same moment. You'll lose all modesty you ever had. You'll rip your clothes off. You don't care who's around trying to get these things off. Uh, we had a Mel Melda caterpillar. It was a big green caterpillar about like that. had a little hook on the end of it, and it lived in the trees. Because of that, our kids could not climb trees because Mel Meldas, if you put your hand on one, they'd flip around and get you with that hook, and it was like a, a brown recluse spider bite. You would just slowly start rotting away wherever you got hit. So you need to ask about those things. Uh, it may be animals, it may be snakes, it may be whatever. That doesn't mean you don't go. You just are prepared. You know what the problems are. You know what to avoid. And those things will help you. Uh, personal safety, um, you know, is, is very important. I, uh, I'm on the board of my alma mater, and the president was going to South Africa for the World uh, Congress on Evangelism just last month. And she said she and her husband uh, were going on a safari. They were renting a car and heading up uh, in South Africa to Kruger National Park, and they were just real excited about it. And I wrote her back and said, oh, we should go with you. It would be great. We'd have a good time. And I said, by the way, do you know the signs of when you should back your car up away from an elephant? She said, no. I wrote her back and said, when they start swinging their trunk and when their ears start coming out and staying out, back up. They're coming. I saw her after she got back, and she said, that happened. I couldn't believe it. You, should, you know, I'm so glad you told me. Because the, the, they were just driving around the park and thought, oh, a great picture. Let's get a little bit closer. You get close to an elephant, and they'll just walk right over the top of your car and, with you in it. So personal safety uh, things from people that are there can be very helpful. Uh, ask for a host for advice and follow it. Put your safety, uh, put your uh, passport and your wallet and stuff in the hotel if it has uh, a lockbox or something to let you do that. Um, depending on where you are, some places you need to carry your passport. If you do, get one of those things, put it under your shirt where people can't see it, can't get at it, um, where only you can. Don't leave it in your room. They're very valuable overseas, and it can take days, sometimes a week or more, to get your passport replaced. Uh, so be careful with that. It's the most valuable thing you're carrying. You can do without money. You can do without everything except your passport and your tickets. And passport's the hardest thing. For men, put your wallets in your front pocket. If you're in city or urban areas, and put your hand on it. People are experts at just coming along and pulling it right out of you, bump into the back of you, and your wallet's gone. For ladies, if you're carrying a purse overseas, you want to put the purse over your shoulder and put your arm on it and put your other hand on it if you're in an urban environment. Uh, so that you really can protect it. You've got to be situationally aware of what's going on. You just walk down the street don't think anything about it. here. You've got to keep your eyes on what's going on around you. Uh, I remember I was, when I was in Kenya, I was doing a lot of business for the hospital, and I was in Nairobi one day, and, uh, and one of my missionary friends was there. I didn't know it, and she walked behind me and grabbed my briefcase in the city. And without even thinking, I came back with my elbow just like that towards her and stopped right before her face. And uh, I was situationally aware. I was carrying a bunch of money for the hospital. And uh, so don't pull any things like that on any of your friends. Um, walk in pairs. Don't wear expensive jewelry or watches. Don't get conned. People will try to get you to do things, sell you things. Uh, promise things, let me exchange this money, whatever it may be. Be careful. Stay on beaten paths. Don't go out at night in most cities and uh, all the rest of it. If threatened, somebody holds you up, puts a knife, pulls a gun, give them what they want. 
You only got one life. You can get everything else replaced. Uh, if pickpockets, somebody picks your pocket, grabs your purse, you thief. In many countries, a mob will form and chase them. Um, often reporting to the police doesn't do much good. Uh, beggars are always an issue overseas, and how do you deal with beggars? And, uh, you know, you'll have to figure out what God wants you to do. Our policy and what I did personally is we gave our money to organizations that helped beggars, the Salvation Army and other groups, and did not give it on the street because a lot of it often went to alcohol. Mothers would put their children out to beg. Uh, a lot of things going on that really weren't very productive for the money uh, with drugs and other things. What to take, travel light. Uh, travel what you can carry. Uh, don't, you know, don't take something you can't pick up and carry yourself because you're going to have to do that sometime. You may not be able to roll it. Uh, sturdy but light. Don't take cardboard boxes. If you're taking medicines or uh, supplies or stuff, don't put them in cardboard boxes. That's a big red flag. Uh, to people in customs, buy old suitcases down at Salvation Army or, or down at uh, Goodwill. Uh, identify your luggage, put a piece of yarn on it, put tape on it, something that makes it easy for you to pick it out, uh, especially if you're carrying a black suitcase like everybody else in the world. Make sure contact info is not just on the outside but the inside of the suitcase. Uh, I've gone to Kenya twice and had my luggage end up in India. Um, one at a time, it took over a month to get it back. Um, the tag got torn off, got on the wrong plane. Unfortunately, had stuff in hand. Um, what to pack, easy to maintain, colored clothes. White clothes don't work well in many countries unless you want a light tan because that's what they'll be after the first washing with the water uh, in the washer. Mix-match stuff that you can wear five to seven days, sturdy shoes, modest, and ask what modest means where you're going. And uh, remember that many toiletries are not available overseas. Electronics, know the voltage, know the adapters. Uh, take a flashlight. Electricity may go off. And now they have very small, very bright ones. Some sort of travel alarm, camera. You may want a shortwave radio if you want to keep in contact with the news. And a travel alarm, those type of things. Taking gifts, ask what's needed. Uh, when people ask us, I'd say, I had it right on the tip of my tongue. Peanut M&Ms and peanut butter and popcorn. Those three things we couldn't get. Somebody brought me a bag of popcorn. I thought I had arrived because, I mean, that was something we could enjoy for weeks at a time or a, a bottle of chunky peanut butter. It differs where you're going, and so you need to ask. Getting there before leaving, check, uh, a checklist is helpful. There's a lot of things to remember. Uh, on the way, uh, get to the airport early. International flights take a lot longer to book onto than domestic in, at the airport, uh, you know, uh, make sure that you've got plenty of time because there's going to be a lot of questions about your passport and all sorts of things when you get there. And in the plane, you know, decide where you want to sit. I always sit next to the window because I want to sleep. And if I sit next to the window, people don't crawl over me and, and I can get a good night's sleep. Maybe it's more important to get to the bathroom than you want the aisle seat. So uh, know, know what to do it. Um, and arrival, remember immigration, get your forms filled out beforehand. So when you get off the plane, everything's ready to go. There's uh, oftentimes just a formality, maybe different. Customs, get your luggage cart quickly. In many developing countries, there aren't many luggage carts or none. Uh, answer what questions they ask you, but don't volunteer. I have people that sometimes go with me, and they just want to make sure they've shared everything they possibly could share about everything in their luggage. They're going to find something they don't like if you do that. So answer honestly. Uh, if they say, no, no, we, there's a problem. Maybe a missionary says, bring this for me, 
and you bring it and they stop you in customs. If that happens, you know, their new VCR or whatever, uh, just say you need to put that in storage and, and uh, I need a, a receipt for it and then I'll have the missionaries get out. So if you're taking a lot of medicines on a medical trip, it's important to get those approved before you go uh, so that you're uh, not laid up without your medicines. Jet lag, uh, there's ways to help you handle that. We talked about sleeping pull, uh, zone, uh, pills. But depending on whether you're going east, getting up in the morning can help. Uh, exercise can help. If you're going west, staying up later at night can help. Um, take a sleeping pill for a few days. If you do that, you're still going to have one bad night when you stop it. Get plenty of exercise. Stay on your local schedule as much as you can. Some people have, have found uh, melatonin helpful. Culture shock. Get to know the people. Um, and don't isolate yourself. Uh, you'll have a much better experience. Ask questions. Try to communicate with someone who understands and knows the culture so you can learn. Avoid a superior attitude or sitting around telling them about how wonderful things are in the United States. They already know that, um, and that doesn't build relationships. Heading home, what can you buy and take for other people that would be uh, appreciated? Uh, sometimes you need to reconfirm your seats, and if you're with a leader, they'll know that. Show up plenty early when you're heading back, even more in the U.S. Cultural principles, and we're going to finish with this. You're not a tourist. Remember that. You're a missionary, even if it's only for a short period of time. Uh, you haven't come to get your money's worth in sights and sounds. Uh, you've come to minister and be like Christ to people. Your goal is not to be comfortable or pap, uh, you know, pampered or take home a bunch of neat pictures. If you act like a tourist, they will treat you like a tourist. And remember, you're not a tourist. You're a missionary. You act like one. You represent the king of kings. You watch your language. You try to do what's best for the culture relationship. Learn the do's and don'ts. We've talked about that. Avoid a superior attitude. Work hard to understand. Ask questions. Learn about the people that you're with. Tell me about your family. Tell me about the work you do. Tell me how you came to know Christ. What do you enjoy doing the most? Tell me the history of your people. Ask questions. That will make your relationship uh, much better. Learn some of the language. They'll laugh at you, but uh, it'll be fun, and they'll appreciate your efforts. Adaptability is the key. Adaptability is the key. Adaptability is the key. And serve, serve, serve. We don't have time for the medical commandments. Let me tell you one good resource There's a, we have in our bookstore. It's Ready, Set, Go, and it's written by Bruce Steffies. It's a couple uh, small volumes, uh, diffing one with more medical and one with more general. Great resources and something well worth putting on paper so you'll have uh, and have in your library when you get ready to go. I'll be here for questions. Go somewhere. And serve the Lord.